0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Ford Press Podcast, presented by GolfWeek.com. I'm your host, David Dusack. This week, I'm joined by Jeff Shackelford, a senior writer at Golf Week, and also the curator of JeffShackelford.com. This week, Jeff and I discussed how the changes worked out at the Tour Championship at Eastlake, the kind of, sort of, maybe debate about the Player of the Year award, we also hand out our burgies and our penalty shots of the week, and we discuss the great voices in sports. You can follow Jeff on Twitter and Instagram at, at JeffShack, G-E-O-F-F-S-H-A-C. And you can also follow me on Twitter at, at GolfWeek underscore Dusik, and you can follow me on Instagram at, at David Dusek. D-A-V-I-D-D-U-S-E-K. Before I get to my conversation with Jeff Shackelford, I want to talk a little bit about the news that came out on Tuesday afternoon about Tiger Woods having knee surgery last week on his left knee. Tiger put up a notice on social media uh, release, if you will, very small, three paragraphs, stating that he had had an arthroscopic procedure done uh, to repair minor cartilage damage left, in his left knee last week. While the game's elite players were at Eastlake Golf Club playing in the Tour Championship, Tiger Woods did not qualify for that event. Tiger had knee surgery we didn't know that tiger woods had a knee problem we certainly know that the back had been giving him problems i had a chance to follow him on wednesday as he played an 18 hole practice round before the start of the northern trust and he couldn't make a full swing chose not to make any full swings on the back nine uh it was not looking good he was able to to recover bounce back he said that his back felt a lot better in the first round at the northern trust and he hit some fantastic shots didn't score well But it looked like the back was good. The next day, he, again, didn't put it together. He ends up missing the cut at the Northern Trust. He played all four rounds and was asked after every round, uh, basically except for Sunday's final round at the BMW Championship, how he felt. And he said that he felt good. And I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but he was asked on Saturday, 54 holes into the tournament, only 18 more to go, 54 holes down Tiger Woods is asked, Tiger, are you feeling better physically than you have in a while? Like maybe even going back to post-masters, Tiger's response was, yeah, without a doubt. And then he you know, went on and answered a little bit more. But the last bit of his answer was, um, body feels better. Body feels better. Well, obviously, you know we're not getting the whole truth and nothing but the truth from Tiger Woods on this case. Now, it's entirely possible that something crazy kind of happened during the off week, but why wouldn't you say so? I'm like, Hey, you know what? I was out there playing with my son, Charlie, and we were kicking the soccer ball in the backyard. I twisted my knee and therefore I had to go in for an arthroscopic procedure as a guy who's in his forties. I can relate. Those things happen. This isn't that though. We obviously, well, as, as Tiger Woods has evolved as a person and has smiled a lot more this year, has seemed to come off as much happier and much more easygoing for the most part with his, you know, the guys he's trying to beat. The other players that are out there on the PGA Tour, the people who are going to be playing for him in Australia for the President's Cup. Tiger Woods' personality, it's been noted on several occasions, has seemingly softened up over the last year or two. But one thing that clearly has not changed and probably is never going to change is we will never fully know Tiger Woods' state of health and his body. He is, I I believe, answering questions truthfully. When people ask about his back, he's going to answer about his back but not tell you that there's something wrong with an ankle or a shoulder or a neck or something else. At this point in Tiger's career, he is still someone who is hiding or masking, you know, potential injuries or things that are going on, and why he does that, I don't know. At this point with so many injuries that have beset his career and so many setbacks physically that he's had to try and overcome, I don't understand what he thinks the advantage is of not being forthcoming about injuries. It's not a negative thing. Golfers break down. Athletes get injured. Things happen. It helps to explain things. And you're just, in some ways, promoting more mystery and more guesswork on everybody's part, a lot of which is not going to be accurate. But the nature hates a vacuum, as they say. And when people think that you're hiding something, there's going to be guesswork. There's going to be people who have educated guesses and crazy guesses. And all kinds of things happen. And in a world of 24-hour news cycle, and we're always looking about what's happening with stars, and Tiger Woods is still the biggest star in the golf world and one of the biggest stars in the sports world, to me it's just it's crazy that we're still getting these instances where we didn't even know that the knee was bothering him to the point where on his first off week, when he knows that the season for him is done, he goes off and has minor you know, knee surgery, cartilage damage, arthroscopic surgery. It, it's one of those things where we should have known about that and some things have changed in Tiger's world, and some things clearly are staying the same. And now I will get off of my soapbox, and here is Jeff Shackelford. And now I'm joined by Jeff Shackelford, who I believe is still out on the West Coast. Jeff, I am in Connecticut. Where are you at the present?
1: I am. I'm in beautiful, uh, sunny Santa Monica, where they would have gotten a much better uh, rating on the Tour Championship if they'd played somewhere on this coast. God, I went right there already.
0: You just just, just just, literally coming right out of turn three and, <laughs> and, and and hitting the throttle, rubbing it up against the wall. Uh, weather-wise, I'm sure we can get oh. to this a little Wise, I, I can tell you up oh. here in New England, it was yeah. a beautiful, crisp, about 73 or 74 uh. degrees. I heard there was one cloud in Rhode Island. I'm not sure, but at least where I was, um, it was stunningly gorgeous. I know that the weather's always great in Santa Monica this time of year. And yet there they were, the world's greatest players, uh, amassed at East Lake once again. And it looked like everybody had just stepped out of the shower starting on Monday until the end of the week. So what, what, what is your overall impression? Roy McIlroy obviously is our winner of the tour championship and the overall FedEx cup played really, really well. Outduels Xander Shoffley, Brooks Koepka fades down the stretch, um, what were your impressions of the the overall tournament?
1: Well I gave it a B this morning on morning drive uh, bright and early when we we're uh, recording this here on Monday and i I'm gonna stick with that uh, I was in, I'm in a better mood now than I was at, at 4 thirty this morning but I feel like it had it finally did what the tour has always needed to do and what a lot of us writing over the years criticizing for which was make the finish compelling and easy to understand now I have quibbles. About a lot of elements in terms of the points that you got for winning a major, the points that went to some of the playoff events. That seemed to kind of, uh, you know, the, the 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 equivalent I I put it with is is a you know this year let's say the Dodgers and Yankees are the, have the two best records. They get home field advantage, but they suddenly they lose one game, and they lose that home field advantage all of a sudden through the playoffs. It's, it it just was weird in those playoff events for Rory and Brooks to to kind of lose where they had clearly been the, the dominant Com- So Coming, coming out of the very
0: point. first event, all of a sudden, Patrick Reed's in the right. driver's seat. And where the hell did Patrick Reed come from? And yeah. Great. He, I mean, so he that, played well, but it, you're right. It seemed like they were yeah. so heavily weighted that a, yeah, a season's heavily. worth of yeah. good, good golf could be eradicated by one result.
1: And the problem with that, of course, is that we hear all season long about these points so we get updates. And I mean, any fan, with any kind of connection to the tour had to be just sitting there going, you beat us over the head with these updates and the importance of, of getting points. And then all of a sudden uh, that's just kind of thrown out the window. So that they need to work on that. And the players kind of exuded a, a little bit of an exasperation with that as well. And and of course you don't want them doing that because next year when uh, somebody's on the fence about playing some event, they they can't say, Hey, you know, every point matters well no it turned out at least on the upper end obviously with the top 125 and getting in the top 30 things like that still important to, you to, to get you know every point but when you're talking about stars and the big names getting there and caring about this competition they had to be sitting there going uh well gosh you you didn't quite reward me like you should have for the majors and I had to you know they got rescued by Rory and Brooks playing so well but that they started um, with a deficit was a little weird. And then one last thing, I also thought it was uh, that that all said, I don't, I love the staggered scoring. I thought it worked, but I still don't quite get that Charles Howell is only, and he's had a very nice, consistent year, but it's sure. a nice year. It's not an elite year. And and he, he and he even noted it in a comment Mike McAllister had in the dot tour.com article. I, the, the Justin Thomas actually should have been mad because, like, well, he he, he won a big event at a late season run, and you know he only had like uh, I think it was six shots on Charles, I think. But so I think the staggered scoring needs a little more spread, and I understand why it doesn't. But but, but on that
0: point though, Jeff, I wonder tough. if if I mean all those things that you say, I I totally buy in on it. It, it seemed weird that that the, that the results at the end of the season were so heavily weighted. The fact that players this year kept the points that they had amassed throughout the season, and then points were, I believe, quadrupled, so that a win for Patrick Reed was worth 2,000 points, whereas a typical PGA Tour win is worth 500. I mean, it catapults him right right up there to the top, Um, and maybe it's a little bit heavily weighted, but I don't know, and and you tell me, does the tour really care about that because at the end of the day, the way that they think of golf is as a product, I mean much more in terms of the entertainment value on that, and what they ended up getting on Sunday was a very simple thing for people to understand. Whoever wins yeah. today wins the FedEx Cup and you take a look at the leaderboard they had and on the back now you've got Roy McElroy, Xander Shoffley, and Brooks Kepka right in the mix. It's really simple. Am, am I wrong in thinking that the FedEx Cup system? At least in terms of this year, ended up working for the tour.
1: Yes, yes, and we and you know a lot of us writers have hammered them for years for not having it be simpler, having it make sense, um, and and playing out kind of the way it did. So they listened to the the criticism, and uh, you know th- th- these are I'm, I'm quibbling, but I think these quibbles are important because it took many years and they finally kind of listened to what players and media uh, said. Um, so I, I think that. It was a success in that sense, and um, and frankly, I think the last day would have been a little bit more compelling. I, I what other quibble? I I don't know. Some of the setup decisions were really odd. They had whole locations close to some fringes, and when you hear when you hear the announcers, especially a veteran crew like the NBC guys, you know the coded uh, yeah. references to things like, "Well, I've been coming here a long time. I've never seen this whole location. Never seen that spot you know, that, before." Would
0: you, which yeah. is
1: code for okay, guys, this is a little silly, and so David
0: Faraday was pretty it, aggressive with that commentary, saying you know, basically that whoever yeah. set the pin placements must have woken up on the wrong yeah. side of the bed. Yeah, it and, uh, uh, yeah. they were pretty ruthless,
1: and so the the, the 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 problem with that is, of course, that you know it was actually a very pleasant day. It was it was a comfortable temperature, uh, gray skies, first comfortable day of the week, and that is just normally a recipe for. Great, great scoring, and you saw kind of a defensive uh, style of golf. So that 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 to me was one other little thing that I thought was. Uh, but I, I also think there was a little bit of a reaction to kind of uh, the griping about Medina being such a pushover the previous week, mm-hmm. and they wanted to make sure that for their for their big money for the money it's, they were handing out, the guys earned there. It's
0: their a money. balancing act the tour's got to do there because obviously, again, the tour oh, yeah. the tour looking at golf as entertainment, they want to see scoring. People like to see birdies they like to see players attacking pins and all that but it is supposed to be the ultimate event they're going to hand out 15 mil to the winner they're going to hand over the the FedEx Cup it's it's supposed to be as elite as the PGA Tour gets the most prestigious event on the schedule and it it can't be a pushover it can't be something that goes out that said Rory shoots 66 what were your impressions of Rory McIlroy and what do you sort of make of his season which was filled with opportunities, and yet you take a look at the end of the year. Obviously, he wins the FedEx Cup, he wins the Players Championships, he wins the RBC Canadian Open. He had a really, a lot of su- tremendous success, led the tour in top tens. Um, but it sometimes he seemed to be AWOL. If I'm, if if I had my thing, what what do you make of Rory's season?
1: Uh well, he was he went AWOL in a, a few rounds at majors. He also had some very good rounds in the majors, you and sure that, that I think is the one sort of loophole in, in his season and then if somebody's trying to make the, the argument for Player of the year that that that's where he disappeared. He was unbelievably consistent week to week um, and, and absolutely wins that contest against uh, uh, Brooks going away. Um, but no, I, I think it was a phenomenal season for him. I mean, I, I know it sounds silly when he won two majors one year, but uh, there's a case to be made this was as good of a year as he's ever had and just in terms of consistency improving the, the parts of his game that aren't as good, at least statistically. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of those numbers are really impressive at at least like what he did around the greens and on the greens. And uh, I just think his presence, uh, who he is in the sport, how comfortable he looks uh, doing what he's doing. It's uh, it's, it's easy to kind of think, gosh, this, this was, this, this is the year. A lot of us will remember you by, even though you didn't win a major yeah. and Brooks Kepka kind of dusted you in the majors pretty easily by 21 strokes so um uh, a great a great way to finish it and of course he's not done as he laid out i couldn't believe it i got i got tired just listening to him lay out all the places he's playing in the coming months which i am having a hard time uh seeing him uh play all those (laughs) fulfill all those obligations Uh, yeah with, with another with a fresh 15 million in the bank and when you hear him talk about, yeah, you know, how much he's enjoying reading these days, and how much uh, he's enjoying seeing the world, and and he's in of history now, and he's he's got all these other interests, and I, I just uh, I'll be curious to see if he fulfills all those those obligations because he has
0: a lot of them lined up. How surprised were you that uh, over the course of Sunday, Brooks Koepka sort of laid an egg that uh, he was around the lead and it maybe it's, it's, it's because he's had such a sensational year. We expect him to, if he doesn't win, someone's going to have to outplay him, but he really crashed, um, the back nine at East Lake, and, and I frankly was pretty surprised. What was your impression of, of what happened to him over the last, uh, last nine holes?
1: Well, it just looked like he lost uh, faith in the driver and, and it was going all over the place. And, uh, I don't, I don't think when you have a situation like he did, where he lost a, a ball there, and and I, it and and it just takes you uh, out of your your kind of element. Whatever you're, if you're feeling just a little off, it it accentuates that. And I think that's uh, what happened. It's not a golf course that I would I would normally think of him liking. Although I don't really know what golf course he has uh, trouble with. But it clearly exposed uh, uh, his game when it when it went a little bit soft. I was I was surprised that he didn't kind of go to the game plan he used at Shinnecock and other places where he's not afraid to use an iron off the tee yeah. and just get himself in play uh, because it's not a super long course. So I, that was the only thing strategically I thought. Being equipment on, nerd he, that, that, that I am, I'm know.
0: surprised. He carries a driving iron, an oh, old right. Nike yeah. driving iron, all the time with him. And his caddy um, has told me numerous times, that will be the last club that ever comes out of his bag. He loves that thing yeah. to death. It's four years old, as it is anyways. He carries it 240, and with some roll uh, on some of those hills, he could get an extra 20 yeah. or 25 yards and, you know, I realized that that when, when Rory's out there pumping it out 320 and driving it on a string, well. <laughs> then the, the idea of, of of hitting iron off the tee on par fours, potentially par fives, might be humbling, but playing it from the fairway rather than how far off he was going. I mean, to the point where yeah. you're losing a golf ball at Eastlake is, unless it's in the water, that takes a little bit of work with that number of people out there. It, it uh, I was surprised that there weren't some instances where he went for that.
1: Yeah, no, and he may have just – it may be as simple as that. He may have just kind of got caught up in the moment. But, uh, you know, Xander Schauffele had a similar situation. He, he didn't really look very comfortable with his driver, and he started hitting free woods. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you have to make adjustments sometimes when, when you're not feeling it. And
0: Which makes and me sort of Brooks think, just, uh, as, as, felt, as we're talking like about this aggressive. stuff, as we're talking about this, how much did you miss not having Johnny Miller on the call for this event?
1: Uh – well, I always miss Johnny because I think he's sensational. Uh, uh, Paul was very positive yesterday. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but, we didn't hear Paul the word. Did we that. didn't hear
0: anything about choking. I, I, one of my pet peeves. I, I enjoyed yeah. listening to Johnny as well. Was him in, 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 incessantly talking about the grain on the greens was just my yeah. pet peeve. Every time we yeah. saw a green with different colors, he was talking about <laughs> grain. But but I think that he hit it. He would hit it on the head when there's fifteen million on the line. That will get everybody's attention. And and I don't think it's an accident that guys were spraying it around with the driver. I think that there was a lot of tension out there. I think guys wanted to win. Rory handled it great, drove the ball well. He finished the day or finished the week, I should say, number one in strokes gained off the tee. So obviously that when when Rory gets it going with the driver and is sort of feeling himself, and you can see just in his body language, he really wears his emotions, and you just you know exactly by the way he's walking down the fairway where he is mentally. Um, yeah, that was one of the things that I think Johnny would have picked up on right away is that w- Rory is walking like a guy who's on his way to the accountant with a fifteen million dollar check, and Kepka and Shoffley are more than happy with what they're going to probably get. I believe what Shoffley got got five million, and Kepka got whatever. I mean, it was just ridiculous money, but um, it was one of those instances where's the first time this year I'm like, oh, Johnny would have been talking a lot about pressure at this point, and I really didn't hear that on the broadcast.
1: Yeah, or, or he would have been questioning the strategy because that was he loves that kind of golf course setup uh he loves the u.s open style thick rough uh pretty pretty narrow fairways and touch pins and i think he would have uh i'm sure well i'm sure the choke word would have come out at some point but i think he (laughs) also would have been yeah getting into those tactical decisions that we were just talking about um more than I, i was surprised i mean, paul brought i think touched on it a few times but i was surprised he didn't uh uh, with 18-hole coverage, call it out a little bit sooner when it was it was pretty clear uh, fairly early on that, that Brooks was uh, just not – the driver wasn't was right. not clicking this
0: week. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't right. So let's go on to this one, which is sort of a topic that I don't know if, if, if the guys at NBC, Turico mentioned it. Uh, some other people have mentioned it today. We're recording this on Monday afternoon, East Coast time. The Player of the Year Award, which to me going into the FedEx Cup playoffs – there were only one or two players other than Brooks Kepka that I think even had a chance, and Rory was one of them. I mean, there was a scenario where there was a path that Rory could could be a contestant along with Kepka in player of the year, and obviously looking at the scorecard, Kepka gets a runner-up at the Masters, wins the PGA, um, is a runner-up at the U.S. Open at Gary Woodland, and has a top-four finish at the British, which is pretty damn heady stuff. There's a couple other wins that are sort of sprinkled in there as well. McIlroy yeah. ends up leading the tour in top tens. He has three wins. Obviously, the tour championship, he wins the players championship, the uh, the aforementioned RBC Canadian Open he wins, um, is the leader in scoring average on tour, um, ends up leading in a couple other statistics, and and you know at the end of the day, finishes on top and out duels Kepka in the last event. Where do you stand right now on player of the year?
1: Uh, it's Brooks Kepka, but I, I mean, I'm not going to mock the uh, the idea that there's a debate there and an interesting discussion because one, it, it it's a great way to sort of recap the year and remind us of uh, what two great players did, uh, and two, I think it is a very it's very close until you dig into the major championships where Brooks beat Rory by 21 strokes, and that's in the three events that they played. Rory missed the cut. Yep. Brooks made all four cuts and he was 18 strokes better than um, Xander Shoffley. I wrote a piece for the uh, upcoming uh, golf week, kind of a little deeper dive into the things we learned from the majors. And so obviously I went into some of those numbers and I don't want, I mean, I'm not going to go beyond this year, but but we do go back to the piece about what he's done in the major championships because that doesn't pertain to this year's player of the year argument, but just this year's numbers, and the domination there. And then you go back to other years and you see how few times somebody won that, that low score in all four majors by more than a few strokes. And then here we have somebody who did it by by 18. Um, that, is just, that is just an incredible year. And so, to me, the, the majors are sort of the, the tiebreaker when you look at the, the entire season. And it's just an easy,
0: easy uh, decision
1: once you look at, at those numbers and his finishes and that he was just a few strokes away from winning three major championships.
0: If you are gonna put if you're gonna put check marks as positives for people, obviously, you know, winning a major championship is the biggest check mark you can put in. And frankly, I put a big check mark against Rory for missing the cut at Port Rush. Um, you know, I understand that he was under probably more pressure and strain than any other player heading into that week. Um, I think a lot of that pressure was self-imposed, but there was a tremendous amount of pressure that was put on him by the Irish media and the fans and the European tour and their, their fans. Everybody assumed that this was this was Rory's Open, and to miss the cut, as, as great as he played and as valiantly as he played, and, and what a great story that was on that Friday evening when he finished, at the end of the day, like I don't know that you can be in the player of the year contention. I guess he, he is, but... But you can't win player of the year and miss the cut in one of the four biggest events there is, um, If you, especially if you didn't win one of them. So for Brooks Kepka to finish top four in all four majors and for Rory, not only to not win one, but to miss the cut in one to me yeah. is is a, is a big check against. So I, I agree. Yeah. I, I think it's Kepka. I, I like the fact that Rory, at least towards the end of the season, has made it interesting. But I, to me, it's a pretty clear... Um, pretty clear choice that it's kapka if you think about the tournaments that we've now seen with the 2018-19 pga tour season and the major championship season now in the books what was your favorite event that that we saw unfold this year what was your favorite tournament
1: Mm, well i I mean it was such a good year in the majors um it really was the masters yeah i mean the masters is the obvious choice um but you know the u.s open turned out to be a, a pretty spectacular uh finish And, and the PGA was a spectacular finish after uh, what seemed like a runaway. And then the open was just uh, created so many uh, um, sort of indelible images to, to, to use a cliche and, and to, uh, and the celebration of of Royal Portrush's return and how well that went. Um, It it was just an amazing year for the majors and and a great year for golf. So, but uh, you'd be nuts not to pick the masters as, uh, it's just a shame that it's not up online or or there hasn't been a replay yet on Golf Channel to kind of enjoy it a little bit more. Boy, if you want to bring, <laughs> we- if,
0: if if you think that the people at uh, YouTube aren't getting phone calls every time somebody puts a clip up from from a you know a, of that tournament that the Augusta National Golf Club isn't watching that like a hawk, um, you can go up. I know and and watch old uh, versions right. of that. You go up right. on their website and they have you know just it's 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 great. You know, in the weeks leading up to the Masters, I always love going back and seeing the old footage and seeing those things, but, but you're right. It's, it's pretty hard to top Tiger Woods dueling, you know, dueling Kepka, Dustin Johnson, um, oh, there's some other there players. Ricky Fowler was yeah. in the mix on there on that golf course. Um, seeing Augusta national soft, I, I would love to have seen it a little bit firmer but, but we're in the definition of picking nits at, at that point. Um, it was sensational. It's one that, you know, we'll be telling people, yes, we were there when, when that happened. Um, but I also, to, to the other point to me, I loved Pebble this year. I thought that was such a great U.S. Open. It was the epitome of what that golf course can do and what that event can do. And and I didn't care that the scores were up. Um, It was a challenge. It was great. Woodland was fantastic. Kepka pushed him. There were other players that were here and there. And and it just reminded me how much I love Pebble. I mean, how much I just think that that golf course and that venue is so, so special.
1: It is, and then thankfully we'll be back there sooner than, than later this time. Instead of the usual 10 years, it'll be back in uh, 2027.
0: Um, so let's hand out some birdies. I love, I love that. Let's hand out some birdies of the week. The birdie of the week is what we basically want to make sure that a good thing or something we spotted that doesn't fall through the cracks. There are a lot of storylines, obviously, <laughs> that's going to be coming through with Rory, and rightfully so. He wins the FedEx Cup. But what's uh, what's going to be your birdie of the week, Jeff?
1: Well, there was a, a beautiful little moment. If, if you were watching the Champions Tour event yesterday evening, uh, Stephen Leaney was playing with with Bernard Longer, who's who's not a fast player. No. And and Lanny one. No, no, no. And Lanny Watkins, uh, you know, they, he, he had not. Pre- he was the third player to hit on the tee and he had done no preparation. And they're standing there on live TV. And he begins with his caddy to go through his numbers on this part three. And Lanny just called him out beautifully. That should have been done a while ago. I, I just I, I <laughs> he just started hammering him, i just yeah i love that about lanny that he still is the, the the one who will call it out especially on slow play but he also will do it on on strategic decisions back to our conversation earlier he i think doesn't get the credit he deserves um, for for doing that and I, I think it'd be fun to get him back on a few regular tour broadcasts to bring a little of that uh to to the the proceedings because i think it would uh liven things up and remind people that uh uh, the that sometimes when a player does not play ready golf, they really deserve to be called out.
0: <laughs> it uh, he's got one of the voices to me of golf and of sport. Lanny Watkins to me, he was the sound of golf for a long time. I'm 48, going to be 49 next month, and and I remember watching a lot of golf where, where he was he was calling things. And you know, we just lost unfortunately Jack Whitaker, who was another sort of voice of sport to me. And um, yep. yeah, it would be fantastic to have him be able to do some stuff. Uh, online again on some of the bigger events. I know it's not going to happen, but uh, it would be really great. I just remember certain voices equating to big events in certain sports. Pat Summerall, to me, was the voice of the NFL. Him and John Madden in the booth was, was that voice, and uh, certain people I just equated with, with those sports, and he's one of them. To me, my birdie of the week, um, Jin Young-Ko, ended up winning the CP mm-hmm. Canadian Open without making a bogey. That's pretty wow. cool. Eight under sixty four on Sunday, um, her fourth win of two thousand nineteen. There hadn't been a bogey free winner in on an L P J tour event since two thousand fifteen. So, uh some pretty cool stuff coming from up north and uh you know it's Yeah, too it's, bad
1: too bad it was played up against the tour championship, yeah which I, you know basically means I, that that that, that wow. they get
0: no event and and that's a that's a subject for wow. another podcast is yeah, what uh, but, what the LPGA needs to do to, to make itself shine. I've got some opinions and I'm sure you do as well. We'll, we'll return to that topic for sure. But yeah, I want to yeah. hand out the, uh, the penalty strokes <laughs> of the week. Oh no, we we're in the off season. We got to make sure that we save yeah. some ammo. No, for I know. The we got season. a lot
1: of time to all these, uh, these contracts and TV deals.
0: Penalty yeah. shots of the week, hand out the negative or the bad thing you saw this week. Give me your penalty shot.
1: Uh, it's a DQ. It's not even a penalty shot. I, I, I just, I'm still just uh, flabbergasted at what went on Saturday uh, at, at East Lake and not moving the tee times. You know, golf has gotten really good and smart about that. You had a 30-player field. I'm I'm I was not there. I'm sitting here on the West Coast watching the weather all week, knowing that Saturday's forecast was was the bleakest in terms of storms, and uh, that that it was decided. And and I think there's knowing the people who do that work. I just I I just have to feel like something else was involved in the decision this time that that we don't know about because uh Mark Russell and and the team there are pretty pretty darn good at what they do and they are I've watched them they let me they let me come in and watch them work and I I know how diligent they are about worrying about fan safety and giving people enough time to get off the course and all those things and you know they are very lucky that no one no one died at the tour championship, and it was uh, it was it was a, 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 just an enormous blunder. And I, I think the tour needs to to do some things to reassure fans that they uh, won't let that happen again.
0: Our co our coworker Julie Kate Culpepper was who's from Atlanta was at the tour championship, and she tweeted out the night before the tea times. And mentioned that basically that is the last groups are going to be going out or the basically, I mean, 30 groups. They're all clustered together precisely when the strongest thunderstorms are forecasted to come through. I mean, as you noted, we knew that this is going to happen. It's Atlanta and it's August. It's 330. That means we're 30 minutes away from a thunderstorm ripping through here. And it's basically like the entire southeast. We know this is going to happen. And afterwards, evacuating or getting that number of people. You know, and it's not the biggest and most, you know, fit, but there's, you know, 15,000, I'm assuming, uh, ballparking oh, it. They
1: get good crowds, yeah. They get nice good crowds. Crowd. So,
0: and, and getting those number of people, not just off of the ropes and on the fairways, but to someplace safe when there's lightning around, right, is not an instantaneous process. If people are coming to the tournament, they're parking off site, getting on shuttle buses, right. being dropped at the gates, and then you go through security, and then you go onto the golf course. Well, Exiting the golf course is the same thing. You exit, you go through the gates, you stand in along lines, and some of those lines can be biblical in proportion, depending yeah. on where the places are. And then you get on your shuttle. So if, if you know that there's lightning that's going to be around the area, say in a half an hour, 45 minutes, you still know that you're not getting everybody out of there. Um, I, it, You're yeah. right. It's a miracle. And, and thankfully, no one was killed. People were injured. I believe the number was six that were hospitalized or at least needed attention. Um, but it really calls into question like exactly you, it, to me it's like i understand the tour wants the tour championship to be televised they want it live if there's going to be rain and there has to be a stoppage of play they want to get the most golf in there nobody wants to go off early to but better to have a lower tv rating or an awkward you know sort of television broadcast than to literally put the fans and the players and the, and the volunteers and all the people in danger there's no need for that yep. so it's no, golf no, we're, it's, we're, it's, uh... we've got to keep this whole thing in perspective yeah,
1: it's it was it's it's not a
0: good one. What's your bogey? So my bogey or of the week is penalty stroke, uh, penalty Steve stroke Steve of the week. Me. All of the above to me, it's just a big stink stinky egg that Dustin Johnson laid all over Atlanta. Um, and to me, mm. uh, again, like our coworker Steve Demegalo sort of pointed out that Dustin, Johnson, pardon me, it was Dan Kilbridge who wrote it up for uh, GolfWeek.com – dot com that uh, DJ basically <laughs> mailed it in, you know, and that mentally he felt fried. He was playing bad golf. He wasn't making putts and. Nothing was going right for him. And my question to Dustin Johnson is, if you think that this season zapped it from you mentally and that you were just overly fatigued at the end of this year, wait till next year. Next year, not only do you have the same run of tournaments and the condensed schedule, Dustin Johnson being one of the elite American players has a very good chance, if he chooses to, to represent our country in the Olympics in Japan, which will be taking place. It's also a Ryder Cup year. So once we get into say, the end of February, and you start the run-up to the players, you're going to have the Players' Championship, the Masters, the PGA Championship, which is going out to Harding Park next year. The U.S. Open comes back to Winged Foot, and then we're going to be going to the British Open, Royal St. George. There's also the Olympics sprinkled in there, the FedEx Cup playoffs, and then a couple weeks later, the Ryder Cup. Yeah, okay, if you think you're tired now, and if you think you can't really keep your head together and stay focused and you're mentally fatigued, what happens next year? You know, and does he skip the Olympics yeah. because he's too mentally, you know, exhausted after the condensed schedule that we now have? Um, what would that mean for the Ryder Cup up at Whistling Straits? Um, it's thankfully it's it's a home game, I guess, for the American team in that regard. But still, like uh, to me, it, he didn't play so many events. I don't have the exact number right in front of me. I wish I did, and, and thought to scribble it down. But um, if you can't get your schedule right and be ready to go now, the next year. Has everything, you know, it could be a train wreck, it could be an absolute train wreck. So to me, um, that's that's just ridiculous. Um, one of the cr-
1: uh, can I can I can please I, do just jump a, in? Br- well, I think one, I would the only defense, I'd well, I'd make two defenses. One, I'm surprised actually, we didn't have a couple more players hitting a wall like this. Yep. Um, uh, so I think that's a real tribute to the, the players, uh, of the PGA tour who, who really gave it their all, uh, when this new condensed schedule asked quite a bit of them. Um, so I, I am not shocked that there were, um, stories like that. And then I think the other thing I would say is he's, he's having some swing coach issues. Uh, I think yeah. a few people touched on this that he, you know, with Butch retiring. And then he has Alan Terrell, I believe, at the Myrtle Beach, and you know he's got a big booming business down there. So, and there's always been kind of this weird little gray area of 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 who his who's helping him out. And so right now he's he's found a, a few little flaws, and he hasn't been able to fix them. And I think that's probably it's easy. Uh, it's easy,
0: I suppose, to for me to. I, I, legitimate points. That's fine. But but to me, if you're one of the elite players in the game. The, the schedule was established. We know what the schedule is already, obviously, yeah. for 2020. Yeah. Um, no question. And, and maybe you mistakenly played a little bit more in one area or something happened, stuff happens outside the ropes. I get that. But I'll, I'll give him a partial mulligan on this, but I mean, he still gets my penalty stroke of the week because if you're going to well, show up, yeah. you, you, you show up to play. And there are tournaments for every golfer out there where the putts don't fall, where the breaks don't go your way. Over the course of a season, that stuff evens out you know you hit into it whatever you hit into a divot on a great drive it sucks nobody wants to see that kind of thing happen but to literally you know just not even show up for that event as somebody who could have won it I mean he wasn't that far off of the contrived lead that that we that the tour gave to Justin Thomas at the beginning of the week it was certainly a, a doable proposition um but to me when 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 there's only 30 guys in the field no cut Dead last, I believe, got $390,000. And, you know, he's, he's right in the running for that. He's too good. I hold him yeah. to, okay. to, to a right. higher standard than, than that. Um, something weird is happening. So I was watching football on Saturday evening, the, one of the possibly ugliest football games I have ever seen, and yet I couldn't turn away from it like a train wreck with the University of Miami and Florida, University of Florida. Right. And on the ticker below, newsflash comes along, Andrew Luck has retired, or is in the process of retiring, formal announcement, which got me to thinking about how golfers so rarely ever retire. I mean, guys will play and play and play, and if there's basically a zip code and a checkbook that somebody's willing to open up, guys will show up. Can you think of anybody off the top of your head that's out there now that's a reasonably well-known player? Um, I'm not going to put, for example, Andrew Luck uh, in with my beloved Tom Brady and his six – six Super Bowl rings. But Luck was a big time player and he's walking away and, and I admire him for having the courage to do that and some of the stuff around who who amongst the golfers out there do you think might be willing to walk away and say, you know what, I've had enough? Or is that is this sport just not built like that? And the oh, athletes no. who play it are not oh, built no, I, like
1: think it's, uh, I think it's a huge yeah. issue uh a the tour to to tour to about um I mean, Tiger touched on it with the, you know, trying to the mentality that started with trying to play three or four weeks or having three or four good weeks playing bomb and gouge golf. And then you couple that kind of approach with the money. And Rory to me is the one who fits the description you're, you're referring to. And mostly because he once said it, he said, if you see me out here after, after I turn 40, Uh, that, that, means something, there's, there's a problem. And boy, you had to walk that one back. (laughs) But the amount of money he's making, the amount of years, and remember 40 to a guy who turned pro in his teams is sort of the equivalent of 45 for the traditional American player who played college golf. There was always a burnout wall at 45. You'd see it and the guys would disappear and then they'd come back rejuvenated to the champions tour. I think that number is now going to be 40. For, or even less for a generation that is either leaving college early or starting golf so young. I mean, you've got people who are who are playing junior golf when they're, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, and there's, got, there's a point where the, the grind gets old, and then they, the, the money they, they make, uh, they want to enjoy it. And, you know, I wonder if Ricky Fowler's going to be the, uh, somewhere in that category. He makes so much money. And he enjoys life. He enjoys yes, he enjoys seeing the world, um, and he enjoys experiencing other golf courses. And he clearly enjoys playing the game. You know, there's some people you you start to look at these days, and you go, does he really like? Does he really like playing golf? Um, and and then and you well, if that's a question you ask, then you have to think, well, yeah, they're going to give this up as soon as they don't have the itch to make more money. So without looking up uh, without looking it up on Google, you
0: talked you talked about Rory. Without looking it up on Google, what would be your guess as to the prize money he's made in his career at this point on just the PGA tour?
1: Oh gosh, I am it's it's gotta be it's gotta be 80 million.
0: So the way that the tour has it now, if I'm reading this correctly, they do not include in his career Uh, earnings the FedEx Cup money. So fifteen plus another 10, okay. so we're in for 25. Oh. They've got him at almost 49000000 59 $59.69. So we're probably talking somewhere in the in the neighborhood of 70 to $80 million PGA Tour stuff.
1: Man, they add, have an amazing retirement.
0: I mean, wow. so to, to so. me, everything you said is that at some point or another, as glamorous and as great as the travel would seem to be to people who don't do it, even if you're flying private, which I don't do, and even if you're flying, you know, staying at the finest resorts and the, the, the nicest rental homes when you go to Augusta and the U.S. Open and, and various different places and you're the one more beautiful dinner to attend and another where everybody kisses your butt, um, that gets old. That gets really right. old. And the idea of sleeping at home in your bed and doing things that you want, not things that your agent is telling you you have to do, starts to, I right. would imagine, seem really, really appealing. And um, – yeah. I, I think you're right. I think at some point, somebody, somebody's going to wake up, whether it's Rory, whether it's Justin Thomas or Jordan Spear, any of these guys of best generation where they've made more money than they're going to be able to spend and are well thought of, they've won some majors and they're like, you know what? Yeah, I can hang this up. I can play golf on my terms. I can take up other things that I enjoy in life and, uh, and have my accountant keep telling me that, uh, I'm going to be doing good things. It's, it's going to seem really appealing. It would be nice if writers knew about this problem, wouldn't it? Well,
1: um, yes. <laughs> we would love to experience this problem, but we, we never will have that financial luxury. Uh, and I won't go down a rat hole, but maybe one of those fall podcasts, because I, I know you and I disagree, but I I also think um, that the way the game is played now
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the way the equipment allows them to play the game, I, I increasingly... I've heard good players talk about how the game is not as interesting and fun um, as, as it should be. I believe now, that. they used to blame the golf architects, and a few of them still do. But when you explain to them that the golf architects can't adjust for these distance games or the Donald Ross is not alive to... Yeah, have, can't have redo number two it. yet
0: again. Exactly.
1: Yeah, it's just kind of it's kind of a tricky one. So I do think there's a component there too, where the the the, the fun element is a little bit um, different, and there's also a spotlight element. You know, look at Jordan Spieth. Uh, I, I mean, would you blame him if he just said? No. Social I've got media 50 has. I think social media bank. plays
0: a huge role True in that. the fact that Jack yeah, Nicholas, Jack Nicholas, and Arnold Palmer, and Ben Hogan, all those guys never had to deal. With a media that was potentially at at times as critical and certainly not, you know, some guy sitting on his sofa in Sheboygan, you know, eating Fritos, taking swipes at the game's best players because he thinks he knows what's going on in the game of golf. And yet these guys get trolled, get heckled, get all that crap going on. you, You go to a tournament now, the way that people watch live golf when they go is through the back of their phone. I, it, when it just kills yeah. me to see bizarre. people lining up, Tiger or whoever, Kepska hits one, you know, along the right side, along the rope line, yeah, and a hundred—and I'm not exaggerating—a hundred oh, no. no. cell phones will pop up. A no. world's great player is about to hit a shot, and you're watching it through your phone so that you can document to your friends on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or or Snap. Hey, see, I was here. I'm documenting this, and it's just is yeah. pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic.
1: It's, it's bizarre. It's definitely bizarre, and and someday they'll look back at all of those photos and go, God, what a strange time.
0: What, why <laughs> Now didn't I actually just, just now we just
1: record phone. it through our glasses or whatever. Exactly, we'll it's doing. right
0: under the chip where, through where, our earlobe. Where's the next place that you're <laughs> uh, you're heading off to? Where are you heading next?
1: Uh, I'm going to be down in Myrtle Beach this week for the uh, the World Amateur, and then I'm going to be uh, probably hitting a couple of events in the in the fall, and also doing a couple little. Uh, trips for some, some, uh, much overdue golf week, uh, travel coverage. To, there's some exciting things going on in some places. So you be, gotta uh, go,
0: uh, You gonna be watching the ponies anytime soon over at Santa Monica?
1: Uh, we don't have horse racing in Santa Monica. We have to go to Santa Anita or Del Mar. I was at Del Mar on Saturday okay. while watching this weather debacle unfold. And it was, uh, <laughs> And thinking, gosh, wouldn't it be nice if we were playing at La Costa or Torrey Pines, uh, you know, 78 hold, hold degrees. On. you're
0: advocating Torrey Pines. Mark this down. Okay, it is the 26th. David, I'm, I'm
1: all for no thunderstorms. <laughs> I'm all for being August by the 26th, ocean. Shaq being, wants it no, at Torrey. Just hear me out. Hear me out. Of course, you know I think Torrey Pines needs a lot of work. But by the ocean. In August, it would be great on the West Coast prime time. The and, and the mood, the mood that they
0: put the I players have a dream, in when you're when you're say. by
1: the sea breeze. Is it? Just I, I
0: haven't been on the property in a long enough time, but I you couldn't hold this tournament at Bel Air, could you?
1: No, no, no. It, they looked at it for a champions event, and they just they just couldn't figure out how to make it work. So, they, they, but that said, with thirty players, um, you, you should be able to open up a few possible venues in yeah. terms of, of, of hotels. And you even mentioned, you, know, you, even, you even mentioned Pelican I Hill.
0: I remember in something you wrote, I did. You were, even Pelican Hill, throw them out. I mean, how um, gorgeous would that look?
1: It would look amazing. I mean, if you're playing at, at seven o'clock, finishing at seven, seven 30, um, at night in Newport and, coast, and, and the sun is setting right there and, 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 and just the, the uh, ex- the energy that's in the air around the beaches uh, this time of year it just would it would give the event a different uh feeling all I'm right off of way. our
0: soap boxes i'm <laughs> going to go and yeah. uh, and hit some balls you go travel safe right, and i you appreciate you coming it. on all
1: right thanks David.
0: hey golf fans listen up if you are looking for other awesome sport podcasts, the USA Today Network has got you covered. Personally, when I'm feeling stressed or worked up about something, like losing money on Brooks Kepka winning the Tour Championship, I go to the range, I buy a big bucket of golf balls, and I start smacking drivers. I don't care if I hook them or slice them. I don't care where they go. It helps me get rid of that frustration and tension. Maybe that helps you too. But if you want to hear all about people getting kicked, punched, beat up, If you are into mixed martial arts, otherwise known as MMA, then check out MMA Junkie Radio. If you want to stay up with all the topics that are trending in the world of sports and hear people speaking intelligently, then listen to our brothers and sisters on the For the Win podcast, which is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and other popular podcast apps. As a matter of fact, you can see all the USA Today Network podcasts, including podcasts for the NFL and the NBA, by going to podcast.usatoday.com.